1: He prayed for the moon to give him light for it many a mile to go that night before he reached the town, oh, town, oh, down, oh. He many a mile to go that night before he
2: reached the town, oh. He went and he came to the farm's pen. The ducks and the geese were kept there, and he said, A couple of you are going to grease my chin before I leave this town. Oh, town, oh, town, oh, a couple of you are going to grease my chin before I leave this town. Oh.
1: From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowman.
2: Goose by the neck He threw a duck across his back And he didn't mind the quack, quack And the legs up dangling down, oh, down, oh, down, oh
3: Thank you for downloading the podcast. My name is Rob Snow White. This is the 293rd episode in the 12th year of my podcast. We're going to start off this year with a laid-back episode. There's no notes or script or anything to go by. We make this up as we go. I'm interviewing an old friend, Justin. We're going to catch up to see how he simplified his life in Colorado and simplified his fly fishing. Hope you enjoy this episode. The next one is going to be recorded out by the fire pit in front of my solo stove with Washington, D.C.'s most talented big fish angler. I appreciate everybody who has purchased a solo stove using my codes on my website. Thank you so much. Enjoy this episode as we're going to go down to Manitou Springs in Colorado.
2: Hey, everyone. I am Justin Chavone from Manitou Springs, Colorado. Uh, I have a background in fly fishing and, and a little entomology. And I know Rob from my time in D.C. I worked for Orbis with Dan the Man and uh, was a TPFR. Pretty enthusiastic about fly fishing and always love to chat with old Rob here.
3: What do you miss most about here?
2: Oh, the food.
3: Food? Yeah the food Peruvian chicken up.
2: yeah just all of the uh, abundance and and actually authentic cuisine I mean there's I live off the land out here man I've been eating mule deer for months
3: Wow I've never had the mule deer in my belly
2: oh yeah it's it's
3: good do you miss the shad fishing stripers
2: I do yeah that that was always a blast, and I actually spoke with a coworker this week who is uh, in the D.C. area now as she got a new job. And I told her I said, the shad run is something to be seen, and uh, I think I'm gonna try to set her up. Maybe you can take her out. Yeah, man.
3: Hopefully this year, since last year was all messed up. Not just with COVID, but it was just a cold spring mm-hmm. through into May. And it just rained nonstop. So we were quarantined, stuck in home because it was cold and raining. And we couldn't even get out to fish. I think we caught three shad the entire year last year. I didn't even hook a shad.
2: Are you you serious? Yeah.
3: I I maybe did four trips.
2: I think two people caught fish, maybe. Yeah, well, that's not many trips. When they're hot, those fish are just flash, 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 flash finally connect that's so much fun
3: i can't wait for it i've been getting ready time flies up to sell online so i'm doing i've seen yeah those look great 50 Uh, to 75 a day right now while the kid is in school upstairs that is some serious vice time my friend yeah man so how how have you been as a born and bred pennsylvania trout angler now definitely full-blooded colorado angler how has it changed for you? Have you changed your game? you definitely kind of make it less technical and simpler for yourself, which i think is something that you know everybody should be doing how have how have you changed your game
2: yeah that's there's twofold there with the colorado sow it, it is so much and for me especially as most of the rivers I fish are tailwater so the smaller bugs right off the bat and, and more technical water, not always, I mean, Pennsylvania has Latour and some of the most difficult water there is, but in a general sense, it's uh it's a bit more techie here and smaller bugs. And uh, I miss uh, the, you know, the bigger bug hatches, I guess if you will, and uh, the ease of throwing a bigger fly. Uh,
3: Does it have to be technical and small out there? No, it doesn't. And
2: and that's, that's a funny point because...
3: People are sold on the story of it's got to be size yeah. 18 midges all winter on 15X.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I ran into Pat Dorsey on The Dream and we fished a bit. And I remember the lesson he showed me, which is what you're saying. He was throwing like size 16, maybe even... 14 like nymphs and he he explained people overlook the the bigger bugs and and, and they're here but in a general sense they do like to smack those small betis profiles a lot of mid patterns people midges and stuff like you know conducive to the tailwater right so it's,
3: it's not just a common thing it's it's a dialed in fishery that people just seem to just go with the flow. No pun intended. with Tailwater,
2: joke. Yeah, there. Yeah. And honestly, I'm about done fishing them. There's so much pressure and it's so crowded that that's a lot of the reason why they are technical. Is because the fish see see so many flies, and your presentation. You know, if you can reduce anything on your on your uh, presentation as far you know in a nipping application, you'll do better. So high sticking is. Fundamental, And if you can get away with not using a indicator, by all means, or a New Zealand indicator, something something to lessen that profile and, you know, make your presentation smoother and lighter because those fish are PhDs or however you, they say those, you know, smart fish are.
3: Are there any spots in those tailwaters that don't get fish that are just too difficult to walk into that if somebody really puts the effort in? they might find a, a not educated fish?
2: Yeah, there is. Greg Blessing's uh, guides a section that's pretty hard to get to on uh, one of the tailwaters, and it's it's not that hard to get to. But, yeah, the little bit of a challenge it does present does deter some people. It's so wicked crowded, but there is solitude there in that that instance. And then Cheeseman, which is just essentially the... A top part of the, of another section of the South Platte, it gets cut off by a private section, and then Decker. So Decker's gets slammed, and then Cheesman. Since you have to hike, usually, typically is less pressure. But all of that, all of that's been thrown out the window. It's it's constantly full. I, the parking lot is never empty. So with that said, I yes, but no. It's just a lot of people fishing and really accessible water so it's a it's a recipe for overpressure.
3: do you get a lot of new anglers out there just trying to get out of the house like they were out here
2: yeah yeah i, I do a lot of people have kind of taken the fly fishing it's, it's become really really popular and out here especially it's a cool way to enjoy nature so yeah I, I run into a lot of cool people that are are you know new to the sport out here and they learn quick because it's, it's a pretty dialed, uh, you know, application here.
3: All right, so let's talk about how you simplified things. Do you carry one of those Pennsylvania metal boxes with 400 flies in it?
2: Yeah, no. Ah, man, I, my days of chasing all those different patterns are done, and really less is more for my approach. Uh, and, you know, general patterns, all-purpose patterns that you know, you can change as to track materials, but, you know, you, you kind of can dial in for what all the bugs, you know, you'll encounter and and all that stuff. But, yeah, I, I have reduced my box to probably maybe 20 flies.
3: You're like the Marie Kondo of the fly fishing.
2: <laughs> well, I'm just an idiot, man. I'll lose them or I just get really unorganized. So to help with that and and really it is beneficial because I'm never usually without that key fly. And I do have a, a, a number of general patterns. that just, you know, will work. So usually I'm pretty good to go.
3: What would you have carried? And what do you carry now? Like, Would you have carried four different mayfly patterns? And now you could just get away with oh, a no, pheasant no. tail or RS2.
2: So, yeah, that's, I mean, I have, Pretty much tied every size of a parachute Adams, uh, and then some in the cat skill style too, the bigger cat skill style uh, especially, but that's my dry fly for pretty much a, um, majority of the the bugs, not caddis of course, but you know even small stoneflies, but yeah, uh, parachute Adams all the way for that, and elk hair caddis, those are pretty much the two mostly fished flies as far as dry flies. Uh the Pewterberg caddis is is really nice too. I, I do tie some of those up as well. I'm sorry. can you say little...
3: that name again? What kind? P- pewterberg Pewterberg. Yeah. Like Pewter it's... the metal? Like as if there was a town named Pewterberg? Well it was a he's
2: a tire and I, I don't know his full name or if I'm even pronouncing it correct. So I'm sorry if I'm not. But basically you can look up I think it's P-U-E-T something, but it has a foam uh, extension out the back, a little, um, you know, maybe half-inch piece, depending on the size of the fly, of course, but it's an elk caddis with foam uh, back or tail that just really helps that fly stay up. Not maybe after the, the Pewter River. You know, I'm not going to misspeak. The cash or, the food? Or, yeah, I just know it is the Pewterberg Caddis and look it up because that fly is awesome.
3: You and have been known to mispronounce some some words on here so it could be pu- Pooter.
2: Pooter. Well, whatever the case, the smaller Elk Caddis I stick the, you know, traditional recipe for, but anything bigger than a 16, I'm definitely rocking that pewterberg' cuz it stays up and it also looks like terrestrial. So. And that's the other thing too. The the foam helps simplify things too. Because I can fish a Chernobyl ant or an Amy's ant has been re- really the go to, and that looks like so much stuff. So, Elk Heracad is Caddis slash Pudberg, uh, parachute Adams, and you know, a couple simple uh, foam recipes about do it from my top shelf to be quite. Rank and
3: they work. And no indicators. You said would you use a dry flies indicator that that Catskill yeah, style? The
2: dry, the dry droppers. Yes, a must out here. And I, I I've been hesitant because a, a lot of times if they do, you know, bail last minute, you can snag them with your trailer hook. But what what I do is like I said before with with uh, you know the pheasant tail, the hairs here. All, all your classic patterns, Prince Nymph, I have them tied for each application. So in a dry dropper situation or in a, a Euronymph situation too, you tie, uh, I tie the Tungsten bead jig hooks because they don't have a barb. So if you do snag one, it's not so bad, but they sink fast.
3: So and you're, uh, you're referring to snagging it in the mouth or accidentally foul hooking it? Foul hooking it. Yeah, yes. whenever they come up it to happens dry, they'll fail. And spin on it, and then they, you know, inadvertently you
2: you hook them with your trailer. It happens. You yep. know, it's it's just something to be conscious of. And I use a barbless hook and uh, jig style because they really do sink faster. And the Euro style is is really an awesome application. And the flies too. The Jurocell is 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 one that I do tie. That is probably a niche pattern, but only with my friend Anthony to guide me along because uh, he's a lot smarter and a better tire than me.
3: Have you been throwing any of the garbage trash bugs?
2: Oh, you're talking about the fly that uh, you?
3: Yeah, man. I tied a bunch he up was... for the LaTorte and Fallen Springs for the summer, but I never saw a hatch when I was up there.
2: I do tie that fly. I and I use CDC, to. That's... Pretty much just thread and, you know, one of the materials. So, yeah, I can make a bunch of those out because, you know, the, the spinner fall with the tricos. yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just crazy. You were out here for that. I that saw it
3: just collecting just a, a film of them like you would have scum on the Potomac. It was just a film.
2: Yeah, and but with that hatch, though, and it's not so much your bug. It, it really is your presentation because they're – I mean, pretty much timing. You're pretty much timing that fish versus, you know, actually thinking, or, or fooling it because they're coming up and just opening their mouth. So you know, it's kind of weird, but it's not always the fly. It's oftentimes that presentation. Again, I'm gonna put stomp the presentation, but you know, a reach cast on those eddies and and getting to those fish is is absolutely huge that's really more important than having a a perfect fly i think
3: have you noticed your eyes at all getting a little weary with age
2: yeah but sight fishing is still kind of my thing so i'm trying to you know
3: those are hard to see from far away
2: i know uh well i'm glad you were out here to see that not Too many folks get to really experience that prolific of a a spinner fall like that. That was cool.
3: I really wish something ate my mouse. (laughs) You
2: threw a bird, too. (laughs) That was
3: awesome. Yeah, I still have part of that thing somewhere. That's more going to be a summer fly. We were supposed to get out there this summer. You know what happened? And then our friends are driving to... Where are they going, Sedona, in their RV? If it can start, I'm like, just drop us off, in Breckenridge, or Denver. We'll just, yeah,
2: yeah, some sort of mobile pad would be ideal for sure. When yeah. I moved here, I had a, I don't know if you remember the car I had out there in DC. It was a a, a Caddy wagon, a, you know, big long Cadillac station wagon thing, and I had the back turned into like a Pretty much mobile home. It was my bed and all uh, uh, a light and right, circuit right and, and uh, you know just camp by all the you know the rivers, and just keep going. It was pretty fun. And and Talia hadn't even gotten the job out here, so I was by myself totally trout bumming it. It was it was really cool. But that's that caddy wagon got me uh, to some cool places, and I I really learned a lot during those days. That's that's fun. I haven't even thought about that in a minute.
3: You still got that Prius? No,
2: that's funny. Tal's got a new vehicle. It's uh, a RAV4. It's really nice. She bought it new. so I'm happy she's out of the Prius. It's it's a great vehicle, but they're just small. I
3: worry about her. And with those mountains, does it really have to pick up to get up through there?
2: I'll tell you what. I was elk hunting in the middle of nowhere high in the mountains and talia was insistent on uh, meeting up with us and i was all for it but she has a prius and i said look you know it's kind of a risk to take that thing out here you know are you sure you want to try i mean you know we have no service i was trying to talk her out of it because i didn't think she could make it quite frankly but my wife is not going to listen to me or anyone for that matter and by God, she got there, and I couldn't believe it. So, you know, the places she's gotten in that Prius, my God.
3: What are you driving now? You got a big old Toyota?
2: I still have my 2013 Yoda. Yeah. Or, yeah, Toyota or uh, Taco, whatever they call them. But, yeah, I love that truck, and, and I've gotten so far off the grid with that truck it's i, I put new tires 17s on them then them's tens but, they, but they're nice but i got the 17s was a huge difference on, on those back rows and it's
3: yeah it's a great truck i, I don't need anything else you know i don't think it's snowed since you've left here you may be our our bad luck charm i've got this xterra and i've never driven it in snow here
2: are those nice vehicles? I never
3: driven one. I like it. It takes a while to heat up. Which is a problem when you're camping and it's freezing. <laughs> yeah. Because no doubt. it doesn't really heat up until you start driving it and accelerating. So just sitting there with it on in the morning trying to defrost everything just doesn't do anything.
2: Get get a Toyota to come. They're the best. That's what or, or uh you know the my brother got one of those uh
3: full runners. Those are tight. My wife crashed a forerunner when she lived in Steamboat. She's always wanted one again. Yeah, those are sweet. She left the parking brake down and went down the hill and hit a boulder.
2: Oh, uh, really?
3: Yeah. Bummer,
2: man. Well, hey, your listeners are probably, what the hell? I thought we were talking fly fishing. Yeah, so man.
3: So are so you... Uh, I'm not
2: going to disappoint. you simplifying uh, your gear, to too? It.
3: Like, was that, buddy? Are you using old rods and reels also? Slowing it down a bit?
2: Yeah, so I, I've been quite obsessed with the, the reels. Let's save that for a little bit later because that is a chapter in itself. But to give you a, a rundown, I have seven old-school reels that I got in the past couple months, and a lot of them are the automatic. I'm obsessed with the, the automatic reel. Uh, it's really, really cool because you don't need a reel to fight trout. Okay, but that's first and foremost. I can't even really think of many trout I've gone to my reel on, even big trout, if I really want to get them in. What's a big trout
3: for you? What do you consider one you might have to get on? That's always relative to the water, I guess. But
2: realistically, a big trout in, in a general sense is 24 inches or bigger five pounds
3: maybe more do you have to carry different size nets based on the fishery you're going to that day you
2: know i never have a net and my friend anthony and i are notoriously bad at bringing nets and i can't even i i've lost more fish because we just don't have a net that i can even think but it's all good i mean yeah I've, i i have a bunch of nets and lost a bunch of nets but usually a pretty big basket is ideal because I wouldn't even probably get the net out for much if I had one. Mm-hmm. I, I just bought one actually. And I bought a smaller size one. And that was the first thing that came to my mind. was like, you're an idiot. This is not big enough.
3: <laughs> and you got to carry your shotgun. So you're you got to figure <laughs> yeah. out what you're going to carry, what you're not.
2: Hey man, I've shot a lot of birds fly fishing. It's, it's sweet. Cause right. You know, you're just in the groove, and how many times birds land right beside you? A lot. So, yeah, that works for me.
3: Is that where you're Love getting it. your CDC? Yeah.
2: I get all my feathers from... Well, okay, I don't get peacock and a couple other things, but for the most part, I shoot what I tie with. So um, I just did a whole pheasant, an entire pheasant. I caped it out, and you know, did, it's, it, it looks incredible it's so cool you see it, took- it
3: in your hot tub
2: i we got rid of that junk, what? It, it, that's it, the
3: coolest thing if you live on a mountain when it's snowing you can it see was,
2: it was cool yeah and you can see you can see incredible views out there but that thing was just a money pit so i uh, replaced it with chickens
3: that's even cooler yeah, the old chickens are cool. Did you get feathers off of them?
2: Yeah, I I have. I've I've done some of the streamers that need that flank
3: uh feather
2: in a pinch, but a lot of the stuff I shoot ducks to get that stuff, so I, I have a bunch of good feathers.
3: And is Zepp cool with the chickens?
2: Yeah, you know, no. He freaks
3: out. And there's got to be mountain lions and like jackalopes coming down the mountain.
2: Yeah, I lost my cat to a cougar. I think. Rest in peace. The also. Ocelot, man.
3: Ocelot was a yeah. cool cat.
2: Yeah, I miss that old boy.
3: And then Talia's cat just passed away too, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. All the cats are dying. It's a shame. But the we've lost two chickens. And one was to a fox, which I think I told you on the last, this story on the last podcast, uh, Taya was driving and I was looking for it. And she started freaking out because she actually drove into like the um, fox's path when it was crossing the road and saw it was holding our chicken when she was coming around the corner. Oh, no. That wasn't so good. No. But we were, we've we only lost one to um, to Predator. Uh, the the other died of uh, natural causes, which I don't know. I think I would rather go out by the Predator because the natural cause was like...
3: They're smoking they're... again?
2: Smoking what?
3: Are the chickens smoking cigarettes again? Do <laughs> you remember how the dinosaurs got extinct? The Far Side cartoon?
2: Oh, yeah, boy. I haven't seen that stuff in... I remember the far side with the door that said push, and he's or pull, and he's just, like, he's just <laughs> exhausted. For the gifted.
3: We have that on a mug in the kitchen. That was my mom's.
2: That's awesome. That's like Norman Rockwell of our time, I think.
3: So I'm upset with the fox right now, man. He turned off my Traeger last night. We had wings on the Traeger, and I, I looked out. I was like, I'm going to go check on the Traeger. I open the kitchen door and the fox is like right next to it and then just jumps and runs out of the carport. I go to the Traeger and he turned it off. I'm telling you, there's no one else in there that could have turned it off. It wasn't powered off. The wow. switch, I'm telling you, the fox pushed the button and turned off my Traeger. Well, that's not too cool. You can't trust that guy. He's Foxy? a healthy looking one too. He's got a or she, she's got a big old poofy tail. Like usually they're mangy and gross. This is a, a pretty exceptional looking fox.
2: Fox is a lady. I got a lot of stuff around me too, but I, I don't get to see him much, so that's cool you got to see him at least. Yeah. I hear the cougars when they mate in my backyard and it's like the sound of death and just chaos. It's it's terrible sound.
3: I don't like when you hear the fox at night. That that's one of the scary sounds I still remember when I was in high school. I mean I grew up in the woods. I had never heard a fox until that one night. I must have been 15 or 14. I thought someone was being murdered in the woods. <laughs> it yeah. still makes the hair on my neck stand up. I know what it is, but it's still just... Oh, it's like yeah, the Blair that's, Witch that's, coming that's, to get you. Yeah, that's... But the,
2: the at least the foxes are small. I mean, the bears and mountain lions here can actually kill you. So that... I never carried a firearm so much
0: Check out MidwayUSA.com. You guys you, don't have
2: any
3: guns out there in DC, though, well, huh? Uh, no. We just got the air rifle. I think we still got those handguns we were shooting the cro- air airsoft ones I found fishing with clients. Oh yeah, I think you had it. You had a uh, was an office pop. You popped them yeah, off in the pop, kitchen. Yeah,
2: that's uh, the other
3: guys. <laughs> we just watched that with the kid the other night.
2: Well, that's a great movie, man. That's funny. And then she wanted stuff. to watch.
3: She wanted to watch Donnie Darko, when she's like, "I don't understand it," because the whole Legend of the Bunny Man and there's the bunny in it, and it takes place out here. Oh,
2: I'm very familiar with Donnie Darko.
3: Yeah, that's
2: a great soundtrack. 80s fans.
1: Actually,
2: that's a great movie, actually, and that's a very complex plot and intricate sort of series of events. That I mean.
0: Wormholes,
3: time lapses,
2: right, right, right. Oh,
3: Cellar door.
2: Remember, that's the most beautiful word in the English language, according to Miss Reese Withers or well,
3: Drew um, uh, Barrymore. Drew
2: Barrymore, yeah, yeah. Right. Cellar door. That's she. She. She kills in that movie. That's her. I, I love her in that movie. She's really good. But, anyways, dude, to get back to the fly fishing. Okay, so, all right, your listeners, if you're still here, hey guys. I do have some more tips on, on, on fly fishing. So where we left off was kind of my general approach to, to the topwater stuff. And, again, we've got a real basic lineup there, uh, some some foam, uh, Amy's Ants mostly, but, you know, a, a various size of uh, Chernobyl's as well because they're so easy to tie. And if I'm going to fish, like, a bro- brook trout stream, that's all you need. The Hippie Stomper has, has – And uh, one that I bought, that's a good little fly, too. But anyways, so we got some general foam patterns and then your parachute atoms and your caddis slash um, or your okay slash Peterberg that I like to throw. when I dry drop, uh, you know, that rig, again, is a lot better if that dropper can have a slender profile. So the Euroness and jig hooks help a lot with that. Uh, and I'll tie Frenchies, uh, or even just hairs, ears,
3: uh, she, she, as they call them. Have you heard of sheehe? I have not. There's she, he, Fairfax, uh, here. I went to school with a Brian she, but I'm not familiar with the term in the weird term. Fishing but it, terms.
2: It's just a soft hackle hairs. Ear. So she,
3: is that a British and, term? No,
2: I don't know. My friends, they called it a she, he, and uh, I said, okay, that's interesting, but it—it's just basically a soft tackle. It, that's what it stands for—is a soft tackle hair's ear, and that—that's a good fly. The guide's choice. If anyone needs a, a recipe, uh, you know that white book. I—I'm I, blanking on the author right now, but it, the cover of it has the guide's choice uh, hair's ear, and it, it's beautiful fly, and it. It's a go-to for me, but you can, again, tie that in in the jigsaw or even with no weight and however application
3: you need. Arthur's a big fan of it.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, he's a great fisherman, so I'm glad to hear that. Artemis Maximus. He's a good dude. Art, what's up, dude? Shout out to Art.
3: I got to go in there and get some boxes I dropped off last year with shad flies, so I need to put my shad flies in something. Yeah, your
2: shad flies are cool. I was wondering, though, about the one that you just cranked up. It's just got a bead. So you think that's ha- – are you putting lead on those things? or
3: That's going to put- be behind a 132-ounce shad jig, and then mm-hmm. that's going to be on like a 250 to 300-grain sinking line. Well, there you have it. Yes, and that's made with Korean scrub yarn from Lotte Grocery Store.
2: Wow. That, that's really cool, Ross. So I like I, I was like seeing how you come up with these crazy patterns.
3: So you go to your grocery store, which is the woods, and you get your time material.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That, that, yeah, I got a. I finally got a, one of those, uh, Abram squirrels that's like all black. So I tie some leeches up with that, um, which, so if we're gonna go into the nymph world, that's a fly that I think you should always kind of have in the box, uh, uh, a leech pattern, and, and a woolly bugger will do the trick. But here they really do like this really slender, small strip of uh, pine squirrel they typically use. Landon Mayer came up with it. Uh, but Landon Mayer's mini leech, as they call it, something along those lines is, is a must-have in your box. And you can uh, fish that anywhere here. It, it really does work. I like to tie, uh, uh, you know, a, a surgeon's knot and leave a tag to tie that fly with and have it sort of like suspending and then a, a drop of fly on the bottom that's heavier to give it some weight. And in the still water, that's really nice too. If the waves are ever crashing, I'll, I'll throw that on. Because, or not even crashing, but just you know moving, because your barber is gonna jig that uh, fly for you. So wooly buggers and and and
3: such work really well too. You can use those. Mayor's got that new uh, mini balanced damsel fly too. Well, the,
2: I I was just gonna say, the if you're gonna hit the still water, there it, there is a difference with balancing your your fly. It works a lot, but I, it just does. Every ice-off this year, or uh, uh, the past three ice-offs, I've thrown that fly and stuck just some, some smoking big fish, man. And that, that ice-off is a lot of fun, by the way.
3: Yeah, that doesn't happen here because nothing freezes.
2: Yeah, well, the reservoirs are cool because you can get away from people. And, uh, you know, when... I, ice off, as they call it, occurs, so when it unthaws, the food's on the shoreline, so the trout are there, and the flying anglers have a chance, otherwise you need a boat. And if you want to fish out here, uh, Brett uh, Callaway, I think is how he pronounces last name, He's a good friend of mine, I should know his name, I'm sorry Brett, <laughs> um, but he, uh, he owns and operates South Platte Anglers, I, I believe it's called. And if he has a boat, so he'll put you on some just monster trout on that spinny. Uh, so look him up if anyone wants to find a, a way out here to fish a reservoir. Because he's got that doubt. Old Landon, I think, realizes he needs a boat because it's just once that ice off is done, there you've got to be deep out there. And Man, Brett smacks some
3: big fish, man. Oh, it's cool. Have you ever fished Ontario?
2: Oh yeah, of course. Man, yes.
3: Yeah, so when I was out there working and living in the car as a trout bum, Antera was drained. Is that right? Yeah, I never got to fish it.
2: I uh, yeah, I I like Antera. It's it's a good fishery. So yeah, the, fishery.
3: the thing with the nymphs, if you were to open up say Foley Mill or Umqua's catalog, you've got four hundred nymphs that are just the same thing.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's the point of this podcast for me. I'm trying to help anglers see that those patterns are great and they're cool and you've got to have confidence in your fly. So if if that's what it takes for your confidence, fine, but it's really kind of a lot of redundancy. And most of those patterns, I'm telling you, one or two can cover them and you'd be surprised that it's usually like a pheasant tail.
3: Yeah, pheasant tail, you know, that developed probably in the 40s or 50s by Frank Sawyer. It looks like everything. Yep. Yep. It's just
2: buggy. And so is the hare's ear, and so is the prince. Because peacock, hare's ear, hare's ear and uh,
3: pheasant tail are just great materials. They they work. Now, do you do simple old school, like Hornburg, Wetz, Parmachine Bells? trying to think of some other skunk patterns from the Pacific Northwest, just old trout school, or are you doing fewer flies of more modern simplicity?
2: No, I I, I kind of have the AP all purpose mentality with it. And I take what works and that might be new or, or classic, but like, you know, the Pat's rubber legs is probably that in the the prince nymph and just a general all-purpose uh you know smaller stonefly pattern with you know pheasant tail and and uh peacock that's quite quite honestly that covers the spectrum of stoneflies for me they Um, they just work
3: when you look around and you are seeing other anglers are they doing as well are you as you are they hooking up on their 16 different varieties, color, sizes of betas, while you've just you got that, a simple pheasant I'm
2: tail? I'm not going to boast about how well I can fish. It's – I don't have a problem catching fish. Let's just put it that way. I, I, uh, I don't want anyone to feel like they need to measure success with the amount of trout that they catch. But, yeah, I happen to usually catch trout when I fish. And for me – a lot of times, again, it's, it is it is your bug. And I've been outfished by these guys that have all those bugs. It's it's happened before. You know, there's been a time where a splat bat is orange size 16 is realistically, like, what they're smacking. And it's weird, but it does not happen that often. And I still catch a good amount of fish because they're still feeding pretty heavily. But, yeah, I've seen times where that's been to their benefit but it's it's it almost diminished return for how much effort it is does that make sense
3: yeah especially because so, those flies are all just not the effort of the angler but the price I, I look around the trees on those streams and they're full of a lot of flies people break off that's true yeah and then the
2: bigger fish too here when you're throwing those smaller bugs you got to go so lightly to tip it i'll, I'll catch a lot of fish with a, a really big bug and some thick tip tippet and people would just lose their mind here with it because it's <laughs> it's against the grain
3: I mean people use beetle spinners on the rivers in Colorado with 12 pound cheap Walmart Zebco Omiflex and they're catching the same fish that we're targeting with stuff that's as thin as hair on your head yeah
2: yeah and it depends on the application, but I, for the most part, if I... Your friend actually showed me this uh, theory, but he, the guy that we went carp fishing with... Yeah, Tom. Yeah, Tom, he's a, he's a great... That guy is a great angler, and you could just tell. And he said, if I can fit that line through the fly, I'm going to fish the biggest it I can. And you know he's right. Uh, there's a point to where, like, movement might be a little bit, um, you know... I guess, uh, deterred, but for the most part, you know, if, if you can get it, if you can get, get it through the eye, that's, it's probably not going to make a difference.
3: I see my last big trout. I hooked on breeches was with six X. That's just cause that was in my pocket. If I'd taken off the backpack and put four X on, I probably would have landed it, which is what I did for the next fish that I did land. Oh yeah. I I haven't fished six X in years. So I'm setting the hook on it like it's a shad. Yeah, that's not good. That's where those nice soft three weights
2: and stuff are really handy. My uh, Orvis makes the uh, super fine, as they call it. I like Uh, the
3: old ones. I don't care for the new super fines. I like the old unfinished blank. They're really soft rods. Yeah, they're great rods. I, I love mine. Mine's the old school
2: one. Yeah. And, and that's, I'll throw a 6X with that because I know I can set and, and not have a problem. And you know, I used to throw 7X a lot too. And it's fine. You just got to, I, I, I like nylon too, because it has a little give. But you just got to be conscious of it and, uh, you know, just don't set like you're fishing for shad. Uh, but, oh, I got a new rod. I got a, I got a, uh, so I'm a Trout Unlimited Lifetime member.
3: You guys are Winston.
2: No, I got the 10 foot six, three weight Helios three.
3: Ooh, my goodness.
2: Oh, it is so nice. That rod is really cool. And again, it's because the high sticking here and, and the Euro nipping is, is that productive. Uh,
3: it just works you care you all right there
2: oh yeah i just my little trash can got spilled over i've got books here and stuff i was looking up uh kind of what i wanted to say but uh i realized it'll all be off the cuff anyways
3: are you in that little fishing room off to the side there's a living room
2: no i uh i'm working from home now so i kind of built an office and have actually made it really quite nice um, and all my flat fishing books are out here now. And I tie out here now that I'm using that space for, uh, the stuff we're remodeling the house with and, and, um, tools
3: and stuff. Have you done the new tortilla hack to make a, a wrap sandwich on the George Foreman?
2: <laughs> George
3: Foreman? Dude, <laughs> since we saw that, that new hack on how to fold a tortilla, my kid will eat three of those a day. Damn. You cut uh-huh. a tortilla from like, if the, if a tortilla is a circle, like a clock, you cut it from six o'clock straight up to the middle part. It's hard to explain, but yeah, there's a whole new way that you can eat a tortilla wrapped up with different layers on it. And it's insane. That sounds, I'm starving. Yes. Yeah, so you got to get a like George that. Foreman so you can have a nice lunch while you're working.
2: I haven't heard anyone. Mentioned that George from a grill in, in too long. That's that's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> and you got a Traeger, man. You're
3: and air fryer, and oh. I got an instant pot from Art and a deep fryer from Art. He got a bunch of wedding presents. He didn't have room for.
2: Oh, congratulations! Bro. Yeah,
3: I also saw a new hack that you can make four inch deep pancakes in a rice cooker.
2: Wow. We don't. Have I know one thing. Though. My rice cooker broke, and I miss it dearly. Those things are worth every penny.
3: Yeah, the wife will make rice in the instant pot, but it burns on the bottom. So I just make it on the stovetop. Uncle Ben's, man, some good rice. (laughs) I guess it's just Ben's rice now. Oh, yeah, they're
2: uh, cleaning up the history. Yeah. I, I don't know how to feel about some of that. Obviously, there's some warranted things. We can't have, but, uh, you know, to forget history is, uh, not doing anyone a service because we're not really, uh, learning from the past, are we? No, 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 no.
3: All right. So nymphs.
2: Yeah. Nymphs. What so, else
3: do we need to talk about? Less is more uh, with I nymphs. I
2: want to mention how one of the cool things that I do to reduce the number of fries that I need is have, uh. Variants of, of of the fly, not only with with the the hook style and, and beads, but with uh, color and, and and profile. So like PMDs, I will crank out size 16 uh, pheasant tails and just use a yellow dubbing and and a, and a yellow CDC maybe hackle or um, soft tackle collar, uh, especially for the hairs here. but it's just as simple as that, right? You know, you you know the bugs you're gonna encounter typically when you start to, to really become, uh, you know, into the the stream, if <laughs> if you will. But you know, you you know, I I know I'm gonna run into uh, certain bugs that, that are a certain size at, at certain times of the year. So instead of lo- looking to chase down all these different patterns that might be more suitable change up the profile and the color and call it day.
3: Any other materials that you fancy when you're tying a nymph, you do glass beads to make it look like a little air bubble, any special flashes you're done with? That,
2: that, that, that does help um, sometimes with the, especially the application I like to do, which is sight fishing a lot of times. Fish will eat my second or third fly, which is usually um, an emerger and then uh, a fly like an RS-2. And that bead can make the difference, but I stopped using glass because it just breaks, and uh, I'm lazy. So the RS-2 seems to be just fine with the Glamour
3: Madeir. It looks like uh, a bubble, too. Do you have a preference for split shots do you use sink putty i get the 99 cent stuff at the store <laughs> water grumbling
2: yeah and if it has the little tail or you know i'll just take my uh uh you know fryers and just snip it off and round it out but a lot of times, I'm not too too, too picky because when you need to get down, I mean, I'm getting down. I, I, I use a lot of split shot uh, in the winter and stuff, so I just don't have time with the small small little ones. But um, it's a little bit more technical in the summer and springtime and fall, too. So I do have a wide range of sizes, but I'm not really partial to really one, one brand or anything like that. Lead, unfortunately, is the best. It, it's so malleable, but I'm really trying not
3: to use it. So oh, I hear that. Yeah, not a fan of using it. I've seen uh, goose poops with split shot in it before. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I think a swan or an eagle just died somewhere from lead ingestion. That was Stop looking at me, swan. Uh, that's Shampoo. not cool. Shampoo's better. <laughs> Oh, you mentioned fishing three to four flies at once, so that's not legal in other parts of the world or country. Explain the dynamics of that and how you have to untangle when you get a bird's nest with that.
2: Well, I really try not to tangle. Obviously it happens, but your casts, when you do start to take on the... And you don't need that many flies. I, the best fisherman I fish with never fishes more than two flies anthony marisi he's a insane the great fisherman he'll throw three on the euro nymph uh, sometimes but he, he swears is not necessary so just fyi if if you're not the best casting wise or you know you have wins or there's things that might get in the way or you are tangling a lot it's cool just reduce and and get better with your cast but my my consciousness with where my flies are and and how i'm casting and, and everything is pretty good so i i do not tangle that much if i do tangle in that sort of situation a lot of times just cut it off and and and, and reach uh, retire your leader but with those rigs it's kind of convenient too because instead of stepping down, tip it with a, you know, a sur- you, you're essentially maybe one surgeon knot or a blood knot to tie extension on, and then you're on to your first fly. Because a lot of the times my first fly, I'll be running a pretty heavy tippet too. And I uh, I kind of carry a six, I carry s- four, four pound spool and a six pound spool of fluoro and an eight pound, the whole way up actually but the two i use most is um the cigar four pound and six pound and the fluorocarbon because it, it's really nice and then i'll have a, a usually a tippet of uh some nylon for for uh dry fly fishing because that that's a must for sure but i keep it simple i throw mostly just 5x now um and don't really buy any other tippet unless I'm fishing really techy water, which I'll pick up some 6, 6X six for sure.
3: So you mentioned your three-way. No, go back. What about streamers? We haven't talked about streamers. We've done the drives. Yeah, I'm
2: glad, I'm glad you uh, brought up streamers because I, I, I have a few I wanted to mention. The most used streamer for me is a woolly bugger. Sorry, that probably isn't what anyone wants to hear, but... That's a great fly, it works. And I, uh, the slump buster, great fly, that just works. And then uh, for small streams, I like the muddler minnow.
3: The old deer hair
2: muddler? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know that's just a light little streamer that you can swing and pop into the nice tight corners. That's a great fly. And if I'm using a streamer though, for a, a pike application or some other application a lot of times i'll have one of those fancy ones and just buy it and some of my friends are really great at tying the 19 articulated game changers which that movement is key and it does work so i'll, I'll buy those but I, I just tie um again you know the um woolly bugger the slump buster I buy the mother minnows nowadays because those are a pain in the butt. To tie. And then there's a couple uh, patterns that I'll, I'll buy. But for the most part, it's, it's not it's not a rocket appliance.
3: The woolly buggers can be, have uh, as much variety as, say, like a burger. You, there's infinite possibilities. How do you tie yours when you put on it? How do you, uh, how do you wrap it? Anything coned, beads, rubber legs, flash? I,
2: I tie it in every way possible. And I tie in shorter, longer, and white and black are typically the, the two colors I have most. And I'll, I'll tell you this. I uh, have a good a good pile that I, we tie uh, flies every – well, it's on pause because of COVID. But there's a tie night at uh, the English Covey. And this guy, I grew on him, but I I, I like to drink when I tie so and drinking can make me rambunctious. So I've I've ruffled his feathers quite a few times. And he finally invited me to fish with him and I was really excited to fish with him because he ties these streamers that are just insane. They're beautiful and they're all like they're nine articulations and it takes him like two hours to tie one of these things. And but they're like really cool and and awesome flies. And he's a streamer junkie and that's like his thing. So he, he invited me out to to fish streamers and uh, man, I think I just made him even more mad because he was throwing all those fancy things, and you know, they do work, but it's not a palatable choice for every trout, right? So, when you do throw stuff that big, or you know, you're throwing that, that style, it's like you're gonna eliminate some fish that are gonna eat if it was smaller. And, you know, he has these little game changers, too, that he was throwing, that I thought would freaking house, but they, they didn't. But I smashed a huge try on a white woolly bugger, and it was just I, uh, basically as simple as possible. White marabou, uh, I tie in a, a wire for those because it just keeps it more robust. And then, you know, I'll run some of the flashabou out the back and then bring it up the body. Uh, so you get a little flashback in there, but that's about it. And then your regular saddle hackle—that uh, it's key to have the right size. That it's saddle hackle, yeah, it's saddle hackle. But you gotta have that right size because if the uh, fibers are too long or usually too long, it just doesn't work right.
3: I like my fibers long and the buggers. That's why I use the yeah, cocktail. I, your little, uh, well, your, not a little bit, my, my bacon, bacon fly, fly. a whole bunch right here. Yep,
2: I can't try on those, those work.
3: I, I even got one that's articulated,
2: with, yeah. And the articulation is uh, a key difference for sure. I think those work a lot and more so on the predatory fish, but I, they 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 work, that's
3: for sure. All right, so we talked about. Drys and ifs, streamers, tip it. We talked about your three-weight and your 10-foot rod. Let's talk about those reels you've been getting into.
2: Oh, cool, yeah, yeah. Oh, and w- before we – we didn't mention any midges. Let's talk midges real quick. Let's do the midge. Uh, yeah, for sure. The, the zebra midge is, quite honestly, really, really good for the larva. I just tie, uh, again, a bunch of different colors, usually black is the best but red works really well too and i have a green and a tan uh and then black beauty is probably the next fly i'll tie that's that's a really great pattern and all it is is thread body uh copper wire and then peacock and that one you can tie in a pupa as well just throw some antron out the front or back however you want it or um cdc and and those like little additions to, to to transition to the pupa state is really all you all you need and they suspend quite well in the film great prize uh but i think they call it the manhattan midge uh pat dorsey's son ties it but that would be an example of pretty much the black beauty with with the antron uh or the uh, ninja so those are some of the commercial patterns that Quite honestly, I'm emulating with
3: just adding material. Pat Dorsey mentioned in an article last year. It was either American Angler or Fly Fisherman. It was a midge that started with the letter G. I had no idea what it was. Didn't look it up at the time. I probably should have. Ring any bells?
2: Pat Dorsey. uh, um, I have his book right here. I I will say he is the best. He's a great guy. He's a very tall dude. Yeah, he's he's a man. I, I really do have to say. Sometimes the guys get a little bit of a head or an ego out here, and he he does not have one. He's a great guy. So you said? Uh,
3: I started a G? with the G. I can go find out if you want. How about you look and I'll look. Yeah. I'll be right back. Okay.
0: The guinea
3: image. Okay, let's see. It is...
2: Is it the guinea image?
3: I think so. Maybe. Uh, Fly Fisherman, April, May 2019. Wow, so it's an older one. I think it was in this one. Maybe not.
2: So his crystal midge is pretty much... Uh, An example of kind of what i'm talking about where you can add the variants he has some antron or um some sparkle fibers at the back to make it a pupa and it looks like peacock curl uh dubbing in the front with the thread body and copper wire. wire all these patterns are just deviations that are are so small you know and sometimes that's the key but for the most part you're going to get away with a lot keeping it general and just sizing profile being more of, a, of the oh the tungsten rainbow warrior that is a good fly I, have, I do I like a really rainbow like that warrior fly. that's a good fly and then um, oh the uh, roho midge 2 is, is, is a really good fly too I, I tie that as well but not on the 209 uh, that looks up so I won't figure it
3: So, I cannot find it in this. This is the uh, Cheeseman Canyon article. Maybe it was a different article.
2: Man, last time I fished Cheeseman, we just cleaned up. And that's rare. That's a hard fishery. But they were on big stoneflies. They were crushing, like, 12s. It was awesome. And we, we stuck probably... 10 or so that were dandy man. It was a great day, man. It was cool. But that's not usually the case. That's a hard fishery.
3: How far is the closest trout stream to your front door? 0.34
2: miles. Mm
3: -hmm. I got creek chubs in my neighborhood. That's about it. I have Salvinas Fontanelas in my backyard. But you also got mountain lions, so... I'm more
2: worried about the bums that live on that stream, and then uh, I yell at them and stuff. I'm like, "Clean this shit!" I'm. Do I fish here?
3: Yeah, and I filled up, like, man, about half three quarters of a thirty-gallon trash bag the other day, just plastic oh, bottles. People, people,
2: seriously, are terrible. Clean, leave no trace. I know your listeners are probably cool and know that already, but if you know if anyone's out there not aware it's not really a cool thing to to trash mother nature i i know it's probably not
3: it's falling on deaf ears but man i'm just so tired of seeing people's stuff Ugh. my neighbor's looking for for extra footballs for her son to throw so i said i would keep uh, an eye out when next time i'm down at four mile there's usually a couple in there yeah you find some wild stuff down there yeah and my client the other day didn't want a really nice soccer ball, I'm like, dude, you got kids? It's a nice blue playground ball or something.
2: So it's not fishing though. You said there's not much fish there. Not many fish there.
3: It's been sunny and windy, so the water's getting blown out, and I don't think the fish were coming up. They're probably down in the deeper water, so they wouldn't get picked off. the bald eagles about to. I almost hit a bald eagle today, on a one lane road in each direction, between Fairfax. It was scooping down, and he hit a dead squirrel. Hmm. I was probably ten feet away from hitting it. Like, I need a dash cam now. And nobody well, would believe me. It was insane. It was in a residential neighborhood. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, a lot get of a bald eagles cam. here.
2: You should get a, a, a GoPro and just put it, you know, mounted on the on the boat. But how, how do you? How would you fish that then? What's your approach? Because. It's been a while since i fished there and i and i remember having some luck on uh actually a prince sniff i caught a largemouth bass on a dry dropper there uh i was pretty much just practicing though and picking up bluegill how do you uh fish that kind of water we've been doing that? the
3: size small flyman popper double barrel with uh, like a mm-hmm. one inch wormy weighted below it yeah, I, I thought as much. So you're not ever bailing on that top water. It just helps keep it suspended. And I mean, it's wintertime. time. That water's sixty five degrees, so they'll they'll still hit top water.
2: Yeah, that that's the whole angle there, right? It's 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 warm. Right?
3: So I had yeah. a, a five, six, and seven year old out, and they didn't know what. They'd never really been fishing, so this wasn't like a cast. Teaching them to cast. This was just put fish on and make them happy. And they didn't understand what waiters were. So I jumped down and went in to get a, a snagged fly. The five-year-old goes, Mister, you're the craziest man I've ever seen. <coughs> That's funny. I'm <coughs> sorry. I was out. laughing so hard. You got to wear a respirator when you're cleaning that bathroom.
2: Yeah, the black molt got me. I got the black lung paw.
3: <coughs> That's a Zoolander reference. I, I couldn't get into that movie. is this over no
2: okay good well, well um, i had to watch it his, might be if you keep this up zoolander's
3: great i had to watch there. sisterhood of the traveling Zoolander. pants before this Wait, what's that buddy i had to watch the sisterhood of the traveling pants before i talked with you why because i got a nine-year-old girl she doesn't want to watch commando and total recall
2: A not cool if she did
3: i know but she did like Donnie Darko, except she said it didn't make sense.
2: I was going to say, man, you, you you mentioned she wanted to watch Donnie Darko. That's a really good movie. and sounds like she might have a a good understanding of the world already. And she's, what, nine? Yes. Must be a smart young lady.
3: If she would just pick up a book. She'll want to read. Yeah. Okay, There's so, other ways to learn. so reels, man, we got to talk about your real collection your automatics, your clicking paws. I keep the reel. So, where are you getting your old reels from? You eBay. Get, eBay. They're okay. so
2: cheap. So, I think on and I clean them up, and sometimes they need some love, but uh, you know, for the most part, the people will say, you know, it works, or I don't, that you could just ask them if it works or what, what it looks, you know, get a, a sense, but they're really cheap. and uh, i've got a cool collection that you know i wish i kind of had more insight on it's it's been pretty slow fishing wise so i haven't really even used any but i've been cleaning them up and i have uh see here let me get my inventory out i have, have uh you ever
3: open them up because that's just a disaster waiting to happen
2: yeah some some uh some are uh I'm uh, not really happy about, but that's actually just one. The the rest are pretty good. Uh, I have a a, a Fluger, uh, a Martin, a uh, two Shakespeares, and then a two that are just I they. One's saying it's just a Sears and Roebuck and Company, and it it's from the '40s, and it's an automatic reel. And then the other's an Orin Automatic Model C by South Bend.
3: What made you and, decide uh, to get into older reels, especially the automatics?
2: Because I've fished click and paws since I started fly fishing uh, for trout. And I love clicking and paws. And for those who may not be hip to that uh, concept, a click and paw is a a reel that it doesn't have drag you use your palm uh, and palm the reel as they say uh, to apply uh, uh, the appropriate amount of uh, drag if you will friction the fish friction there you go but here's the thing a lot of the times i'll not even like i mentioned earlier get that trout to the reel so i'm just pulling line in and what these automatic reels do is Uh, When you pull line out, it has a reverse mechanism that uh, will kind of load the reel, if you will, and a little lever you can press, and it automatically reels that slack in. So you can fight the fish with one hand and and, kind of strip it and then pick up your slack, which is the biggest pain in the butt for those who know that you got a lot of line out there, and you kind of pot committed with with the uh, strip approach you're like how oh, I got all this line and before you know it things things go straight uh real quick uh with all that extra slack so that was kind of the the motivation I, I think to plus I just always was fascinated with the automatic reels and I had one that I don't know what it is now but it was really cool to fish with and it's just fun I mean, I I guess I don't really care if I lose a fish because of the reel, and that might be a weird concept. But you'll get there. But at some point in your fly fishing career, those fish are awesome to to get in, but it doesn't mean much if you're throwing them back, anyways. And it's just about the experience. I want to promote more emphasis on uh, the whole thing and not just the fish, because I just see too many too many folks. Obsessed with the you know uh, picture and um, the idea that that's what success is, and it's it's not.
3: I read that the Colorado legislature was going to outlaw rods on shoulders in twenty twenty one. Is that true?
2: <laughs> you and your rods on shoulders, man. I uh, I think it is true though. Yes. I, I'm probably going to start taking photos again because I I stopped bringing my phone fishing because I just kept. You know, destroying my phone. But I'm going to start bringing a camera and taking only shots of me with a rod on my shoulder no. <laughs> for you, Rob.
3: You're like Thomas pu- pushing my buttons.
2: <clears throat> hey, Thomas, shout out to him. He's a uh, new father, right?
3: He is. It's, it'll be, I don't think I've seen him in a year.
2: Congratulations to him.
3: Yeah. Uh, he's a good fly fishing in there. The TPFR guys,
2: they're all good. and good. You guys have that doubt in that Potomac fishery which is
3: so unique. I wanna set up some kind of big like kickoff shad Zoom happy hour for everybody in April. Yeah,
2: we should do a tie night and and uh, do it on we we started doing that for the one club that I was t- talking about earlier. Uh, we, we did it online for a couple months in the winter of last year, I think. I, it's been so long since COVID hit but we did it for a while. it's fun you, you know you, everyone's time pretty much drinking you
3: know Odell's I do drink a lot of Odell's yes. I'll trade you Peruvian chicken for Odell's oh, don't mention Peruvian chicken man I fried yuca
2: mm. oh my gosh well I'm gonna quickly change subjects back to the reels so and the most interesting reel I have is uh, this Martin. And it it's it's a trolling one. It's designed for trolling uh, with a fly rod, which I think is pretty much the coolest. Cause
3: Is that a mooching reel? Say that again? Mooching reel. M-O-O-C-H-I-N-G. I am not familiar because of the lightning. I have a Russian mooching reel. Where is that thing? Let me see if I still have that. Twenty-five plus reels on the wall. That is not in there. Well,
2: the, the the little book that this Martin came with is quite a trip. The world was quite different in what I'm presuming is the the 50s uh, on this one, somewhere about that. But I'm not sure if we can say some of this stuff on on the podcast, and it's a a little pamphlet about a fly reel. Quite a different time. And, you know, edit this out if you want, but let me get... Let me get you an example here. I gotta find it. This will allow you time to hack this if it's not cool. But basically I cannot find it. I read it yesterday, it was I gotta find it, it's too good. Alright got it, man, so so this uh, fishing with the Martin automatic reel. There's a section more casts and better casts, which actually does not make sense to me at all. More casts and better casts. So I guess you're okay. You're able to put more casts out there. Okay, cool, and they're better. Sweet. I don't know how this reel would be conducive to that because it actually is like a pancake, and it seats with the reel like upside down, and, and not. Like you would normally have a reel,
3: like and those people on the river reeling with the spinning rod upside down and backwards. The,
2: yeah, that would that would be the best example of what that probably feels like casting this thing. And again, it, it's trolling though. But the other reel model that does have that seat is not. So again, I'm not sure how that's helping with your cast because it's like again perpendicular instead of aligned with the rod, so the weight distribution is probably just insanely bad. But more to come on that, we'll have to, you know, fish it. But essentially it it goes on to say, you know how necessary it is to approach his particular hangout with every caution. Um talking about a big trout in the previous section. You know that your first boner is your last chance to get any action out of him that day.
3: So it used to mean a mistake and somebody used it recently. And had no idea what it meant. Oh. Yeah, your first boner. So is that what it means? It's Hubie Halloween. I, I, I'm just a perverted. Yeah, it means it's, a, it's a, like a mistake. Uh, Hubie Halloween. They so, okay. So
2: it's an, it's an innocent mistake. It's an old then.
3: term for a mistake.
2: I'm bringing it back.
3: And then there was the kid was from. That
2: was right, the boner.
3: The kid from Growing Pains was named Boners to Blown.
2: You're right. He was. But that's inexcusable, because at that time, come on. We all knew. Yeah. That show's crazy. The the, the kid that was uh, the main actor with the really curly hair... Kirk Cameron. Yeah, he was really obsessed with, like, the whole religion thing, and...
3: He's still very religious.
2: Well, that's what, like, ended the show, is he was... It was so obsessive about the cast being,
3: like, you know... With Leonardo is. DiCaprio as his stepbrother.
2: That is right. Wow. That, that's so long ago. Holy crap. How do you remember that?
3: There have been a couple of reruns on that we've watched. We watched a little, uh, let's see, Growing Pains. We watched a little Webster. We watched a little Family Ties. Uh, not Family Ties. Uh, so my daughter, we re- wrote around her. Webster? Yeah. There was one about an athlete really? using cocaine and Webster was very disappointed in him. I think it was after the Len Bias incident. And they wanted to work that into a show. She loves Night Rider because of the car. That but she I she won't watch I
2: think I've ever seen a Night Rider.
3: Show. There's commercials, so she won't watch it. She'll watch it like if we flip channels. But she's like, "Oh, commercials, I'm out."
2: So this reel actually is in great shape. It's, it works a lot of they all work the mechanisms on these are are just so interesting i'm, I'm not going to go into the details of these boring but really cool concepts and so anyways anybody looking to know more i'll have some better updates next time but what i'm working with is six automatic reels mostly for higher weights but i got two of the The one, the one Sears and uh, one Shakespeare is small, so I'm gonna probably put that on a five. Those on a five liter. So, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm curious to see what I can do with them and if I can restore some of the ones that are in poor shape. But maybe I'll throw you some photos and stuff you can
3: share. Yeah, man. What are your uh, fishing plans for this year? Do you have any road trip plans, or are you gonna actually fly somewhere before we're all inoculated?
2: You know, I, I'm not planning on traveling or any destinations fishing-wise. My approach will be the same as last year. And quite honestly, it's take advantage of the summer months and, and high alpine backpack trips. Get to places that are really cool to fish off the beaten path.
3: Can you take a chicken and, with you? you know, no. Like a, a fishing uh, chicken?
2: No. Wait, What?
3: Yeah, t- instead of having the ocelot go with you, take a chicken.
2: I, I I bring Giuseppe. We did a... So there was a 14er I did. It was really hard. Never did one before. I didn't know that weekend that I was going to do one, actually. I hadn't been drinking, so it wasn't looking good. Uh, but the one lake I fished on the way up was great, but I didn't bring my fly rod on the um, summit but i wish i had because these kettle lakes as they call them had some of the biggest cutthroat i've i've ever spotted and you were so far you know high above them that if you didn't see them they had to be just huge uh so i want to get to some of those kettle lakes uh, and, and and just keep trying to pursue those the cuts. that's that's kind of been my thing.
3: That's got to be a hard life for them up there. That can't be easy trying to survive
2: Growing yeah, for a, three to... months out of the year. You want to talk about what the difference is for you know fish for the angler, it's all about how many flies they've seen and, and what they need to do to survive. Those combined are ultimately what, what dictates how willing they are to go outside of, you know, their comfort zone, if you will. the opportunistic nature of the cutthroat and the feeding opportunities being so small and, you know, it's usually pretty indicative to successful and easier fishing. Not always, though. Sometimes those fish are insanely picky, But Uh, that's usually rare, and it's usually with the pressure, too. I wouldn't know because
3: I'm not hiking up there.
2: Well, there's some that you can actually get to that are really accessible, especially if you have a good vehicle. So there are pressure on some. Uh, I actually have caught uh, Colorado grayling in the high alpines.
3: That's pretty sweet. Pretty cool. Any crazy animals you've run into in the last year while you're up there? Tarmigan?
2: Uh, Yeah, I've seen tarmigan. Um, I guess the cooler animals, a a lot of elk. I don't really see predators.
3: What about pikas?
2: Yeah, I see them all the time. They're in my backyard. Yeah, yeah. They're all the way up pike's peak.
3: I've not seen a marmot in a
2: long time. I was fishing uh, spinny. I saw, I think it was two years ago, and Zepp was, you know, off-leash, which he shouldn't be. I, I This is a really awful story, and this is why he keeps dog on leash. Someone was like, hey, man, you probably should have your dog. I was like, Oh, no, he wouldn't hurt a fly because he was chasing those marmots. Well, he got one and like in front of all these people because people actually started showing up to fish that, and it's now kind of packed. He just tosses this thing in the air and just shreds it to bits and that's not like my dog. I haven't seen him kill anything. And I was mortified.
3: Did he put it on his shoulder?
2: <laughs> he just crushed the life essence of that thing and I was oh, so I was like, Yeah, I'm I gotta go. Oh Zeppy. Were you there when he ran into that one angler on the dream stream and that guy flipped out?
3: Maybe, I remember Tom's dog ran after a bull once up there. That was not cool.
2: That's, that's... you know, they learn real quick what you know fights back. And one of our, the foster dogs we had got reared by a mule deer, old Tyrone. But um, do you have some questions about these reels? Like I, I don't know exactly what. Your listeners would find interesting, but they are automatic and reel themselves with the reverse um, energy that's um, created from just pulling the line out.
3: Why are those not as popular now as they were back in the day?
2: I've been trying to answer that question, and I, I don't know because they're so cool. And realistically, I, I mean, you agree, right? Like, you don't need to reel that often in, in the trout
3: mm-hmm. room. Not for the trout I've been catching.
2: Yeah, I mean, even big trout. I, I, the, the click and pause are so much fun because they're harder. And you can get eaten up real quick.
3: But it, It's I more think, of the backbone of the rod I'd need. The what? The backbone of the rod. Like, I need a rod to fight the fish, not really the real. Mm. Yeah, precisely.
2: Yeah, I... I uh, I agree with that. And the whole idea w- with those reels are, are, are counterintuitive. What people kind of apply today, which is these really nice drag reels, which are great and they're totally awesome, but, um, they're, I, they're just kind of over, overkill.
3: If you work so in a fly lineup, shop, sell, it's good to be selling $700 reels for trout on a three weight.
2: Well, I guess so. I'm sorry to the fly fishing industry. I shouldn't
3: maybe be so vocal about. No, I mean, the there's fact that there's Ferraris them. and then there's uh, smart cars.
2: Smart yeah, cars I, are smart. I, I guess I'm probably the I the fly fishing equivalent to that, right? Which would I guess be a greasy fly fisherman. Yeah, I don't know. But some of the greasy let's let's talk greasy flies now that we're at it, right
3: so have you heard of the pig sticker? Maybe it sounds doesn't sound kosher
2: <laughs> It is a very greasy fly, so there's like a hook that is almost like an s shape and like maybe an inch and a half inch to an inch and a half uh, is the sizes that I use so I'll take that s hook and put a tungsten bead and then um entire hook shank on that s is a red wire
3: <laughs> and
2: i just finished it with a peacock curl
3: at the okay, front i know that from charlie's website i just looked it up yeah now that I know what you're is talking
2: about. a great fly uh such a good fly and it's pretty greasy it works.
3: No one seems to fish the Vladi worm anymore.
2: But what, what's
3: that? was tied with the pink prophylactic? Like a specific uh, brand of like Polish prophylactics.
2: Well, the guides here have a, a material which I cannot disclose that is similar to, to that what you're saying and th- that's kind of what i use also a lot nowadays and you can use a a a condom or some sort of rubber material but basically it's just a very good segmentate like it gets a good segmentated body and buggy um and honestly i just wrap the hook with that material and i'm sorry to everyone but that i would not do that to those guys uh it's such a good material but it's like that right and you can make some good the crane fly pattern with that stuff? Carnums? Oh, yeah.
3: Somebody once brought one of those to me at a beer tie, the Vladi Worm one.
2: I, I do know the fly now that you, you mentioned it was with the prophylactic. Uh, yeah,
3: that was popular like 15 years ago, maybe? 10?
2: Crazy prophylactics.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's
2: wild. But, no, I, 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 uh, I don't fish that fly. I Army. think a hair's ear honestly looks like pretty close to a crane fly, to be quite honest. Even a scud too. Just throw a big, longer back on your hair's ear and brush out the dubbing and uh, put a wire over it, and you got a scud.
3: How are the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins looking this year?
2: Oh man, I don't have a TV, so I, I've been out of tune with the little penguins. I
3: saw the Steelers. Yeah, I wish. Short. I wish Ohio State had played as well as the the Browns did the other night.
2: Hey, kudos to the Browns. I uh, I, I think they
3: are due, so. Right on. Got to keep neighbor Rob happy. Who? My neighbor Rob. He's all about the Browns. The Browns. Yeah.
2: The Browns is a joke.
3: He's dangerous with a six for the G sometimes. I think it's a Baker Mayfield thing. Don't quote me on that. I won't, Rob. Yeah, man. All right. Anything well, else before uh, we we'll wrap these well, up? Well, I know.
2: I mean, I'm going to open it up to you. I mean, like, oh, I yeah. don't know exactly um, what I offer.
3: I'm just going to get in trouble it. for making noise soon. Oh, I see. Yes.
2: Well then, by all means, my friend, do not get in trouble. Yeah. Right. I uh, I'll open it up though. If you have any uh, questions for me, otherwise, I hope that the listeners uh, enjoyed my thoughts. But uh, if not, you know, no worry.
3: What's one other thing somebody could do to simplify their fishing? Understanding the macro invertebrates
2: and how you can fish uh, certain materials versus patterns to just build an arsenal of, uh, you know, fly, flies that are dialed in for you. I guess parlaying that into which flies, you know, you're going to throw uh, because quite honestly, more emphasis in your presentation and your, understanding of what those bugs are doing uh, it's you know maybe for example the like pupate it's not rocket science it's just they have um, another stage that looks a little different and the behavior is a little different and you can dial that in in a very simple way so um a long-winded response i know but basically you can simplify your simplify your uh, box by just
3: Really focusing on the flies that have, have worked and uh, are, are kind of timeless. Tell you, man, I, I can fish from, I can leave a popper with a worm on it or a damsel on a rod year round here and not have to change it out. Hey, I, I want to do give a shout out to that damsel, Fire Years. I love that fly. That's so good. I just got 12 or 1400 hooks in the mail for tying a bunch for shads. That's so. that's one of my patterns, man. I, I fish that a lot for carp.
2: And now in the salt water,
3: yeah, I tied Uh, a bunch. Speaking of uh,
2: what's his name we mentioned earlier, he uh, crushed some bonefish with that thing. Pat Dorsey, Tom, Tom, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's cool, man. That's a great fly. Props on that one. And then also your trash fly, I do still tie that, but don't mention that on this project. (laughs) I'm playing. It works, and again, it's it's using different material. Than what other anglers use and getting a unique, uh, little tailor to your flies that makes a huge difference, man. I, I'll be honest.
3: All right, man. Where can people find you on Instagram if you, you post again?
2: Uh, J underscore Siobhan S C H I A V O N E. I haven't been too hip on uh, the whole Instagram, but. I do pose quality, not quantity, right? Of course. I really do enjoy uh, f- field to fly, too. So if anybody's interested in that, I'm happy to share. But I typically fly or tie most of my flies with, with what I shoot. It, it helps me, uh, you know, add another layer to the hunting element because that's hard enough for me. But I, I don't want to support a globalized food chain not going to go there
3: mass-produced foods nasty i try to think about most of what we're eating
2: you guys eat well um you understand the whole idea of it all but many don't but our food chain is not sustainable and it's not healthy and it's it's kind of gross so don't want to support that and that's why i started hunting again and you know the waterfowl and small game hunting that i do Man, I've made a lot of great flies from. And the pheasant tails this year. Then I got into some wild pheasants in Nebraska.
3: What's that uh, state that's just below Nebraska?
2: Oh, the, uh, Arkansas?
3: <laughs> or Kinsaw. Is it Arkansas? One, one of the two. It's Kansaw. I haven't looked at a map yet in a while.
2: Yeah, it's, it's uh, and I don't know what's worse, Arkansas or Arkansas, but they, uh, they're they not too cool. Nebraska was awesome. I had uh, Rocky Mountain Oysters in, uh, at the local fire, fire hall. No, anyways, those fibers are great. I, I've already twisted up a bunch of pheasant tails with them. They're smaller, so they actually are nicer for the smaller hooks, but um if you have to go man i don't want to prolong this so i gotta jump man you gotta jump, well, you gotta if, jump man. If, if, if it's uh if it's lame at the end you know just call me and we can finish it up always was it cool though yeah man we're
3: good. good you'll give uh zep a belly rub for me hug him too sweet I need someone to give me a belly rub well get going maybe uh you still have some time everyone's asleep man i'll have to go find the neighbor
2: <laughs> some, some nocturnal person thoughts,
3: yeah man alright dude All right, peace laters
1: thank you for joining us for the fly fishing consultant podcast for more information or to contact Rob please go to www.robsnowwhite.com
0: This is brought to you by Freestone
1: Productions at freestoneproductions.com.
0: Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.